Hello, welcome to Cycle Systems online podcast. Now, this isn't the most exciting topic in the world, but it's an important one. We're going to talk about workshop safety. Now, don't worry, we're not going to get into Riddle and Pua and Lola and all of this health and safety legislation. Okay, you can come and do that when you do your cycle systems course or any other sort of actual certified course, as you might imagine, there's always a requirement to do a level of health and safety training. However, actually working in the bike workshop and the bike trade, many of us see a lot of really poor practice. So I wanted to look at some of these um, very common issues, you know, that you um, you come across in the bike workshop, just to try and talk about them in a realistic grounded fashion and maybe just warn people off being complacent as ever i invite your funny stories or tales of woe essentially just to um help color in this sketch you know so again come on to dial up your cycle tech skills on facebook join us on instagram or on twitter and tell us you know your sort of issues or experiences here so basically, the bike workshop, as you can imagine, can be a um, dangerous environment. If you're in there every day, then the likelihood of something going wrong is increased, I guess, if you've got bad practices. So I think the first thing is talking about workshop access. And it's something that not every bike shop has got completely dialed, you know, but essentially Sometimes when you're working on bikes, you might be, you know, heating things up with a, um, a blowtorch or a heat gun. You might be working with hydraulic fluids and such. You might have a grinder or a cutter or something going on. And you've just got an environment where it's not particularly suitable for the customers just to walk in. Never mind what you've got playing on the stereo and shouldn't really go into their gentle shell-like ears. So basically, the first thing I would say is that there's no unrestricted access to the workshop. It is definitely relevant staff only and that you don't let the customers in. And of course, the good side of that is they don't see you hitting their bike with a hammer, which is sometimes necessary, as we well and know. So I guess the thing I see most often neglected by professional bike mechanics, even trained ones, is eye protection. So we've only got two peepers, as it were, and you're getting mineral oil in your eyes, dot fluid in your eyes, shards of metal for when you're cutting or filing in your eyes. There's serious life-changing injuries. So if you're doing any sort of work on any sort of hydraulic system, cutting anything, get the eye protection on. If you're not sure, get the eye protection on. And, you know, it's like with suspension, as soon as we get into suspension or anything with compressed air, get the eye protection on. As soon as you press down the Schrader valve in the suspension, remember there's oil inside there, lubricating oil inside the air spring. Maybe you know, other contaminants have got in and they're going to fly out at 100, 200 PSI. So you want the eye protection on at all times. So in a brake bleed, 
before you pick up the bleed kit, put on the eye protection, only when the job is complete, like completely complete, eye protection off. Essentially, some mechanics will just put the eye protection on for the bleed. They put everything back on, they squeeze the lever to test the brake, and that's when the problem happens. That's where the oil spurts out from an unforeseen problem and gets them in the eye. So it sounds obvious, it should be obvious, but to most mechanics out there, it's not because I see them bleeding brakes all the time without eye protection and cutting and, and all sorts of work. And as I've said, it's not something that you can undo once you've done it. It's the same, like we've got quite an old school paraffin parts washer where I'm working at the moment part time. And essentially, again, you very easy to get paraffin in your eye using these because you're scrubbing away on dirty components. So I use eye protection throughout all of the parts cleaning and drivetrain cleaning. And then actually, when I'm using the compressor to dry the rinsed parts, I'm also using ear protection because it's really, really loud and you're definitely gonna damage your ears over time. Okay, and that's someone who's survived Slayer concerts and Sepultura concerts and such, but you definitely wanna protect your ears when you're using compressed air to dry off components. So the next really big um, thing that causes injuries in the bike workshop is of course the good old slips, trips and falls. So basic layout of the workshop is important. So how it's laid out as standard, maintaining that standard and then just cleaning up things like fluid spills and such immediately and adequately is so, so important. And again, sounds obvious, but the amount of workshops I've seen which don't follow those standards is quite shocking. So just make sure that you're always minimizing and mitigating any sort of risk of slips, trips and falls, single biggest cause of injuries, and of course, any sort of impact injuries. So when you're using a rocket tool to remove bearings or head cups or what have you, make sure the thing can't just fly through the workshop. When you are hitting things with hammers, making sure it's not gonna hit your fingers. And I think also really, really importantly is just to be aware you know, of um, any sort of materials you're working with as well. So while we can cut aluminium and steel really safely in the workshop, absolutely no problem. Again, use cutting fluid, eye protection, etc. Um, I tend to use nitrile gloves pretty much all the time when I'm working anyway. But one of the things that, again, the bike industry is really classically poor at is carbon fiber safety. And certainly you speak to anyone who works as a fireman or something and about carbon fiber and carbon fibers in the environment and it's basically like asbestos as soon as you cut carbon indoors you've got pretty serious um health issue right there and not only for that day but these microfibers float around and stay in the environment then they go in your lungs and then they stay in your lungs just like asbestos so essentially cutting carbon, we must always do it outdoors. It's often good to have a second mechanic spraying or pouring water or light oil onto the cut as you do it. 
and um, have a mask as well. So it's three safety precautions around carbon. Outdoors, water or oil to catch and to disperse the fibres and to be wearing a mask. You get all of those together, you're definitely mitigating that risk, basically. If you want to break into the bike trade, train your staff, or even learn some new skills just for fun, Cycle Systems Academy has a course for you. Our graduates come to us from all over the globe and train with us to gain the highest recognized cycle mechanic qualifications available. The bike industry supports and believes in Cycle Systems Academy, which means they'll believe in you too. So essentially, another potential risk working in a bike shop is the chemicals we're working with. So I mentioned the paraffin parts washer that we have at the moment. Not particularly happy working with that on a daily basis or I'm part-time right now running cycle systems as well. But I would say that in the long term, I don't want to be doing that every single day with the paraffin, breathing it in. And then, of course, there's the isopropyl alcohol-based um, brake brake cleaners that we're using, other potentially dangerous chemicals, whether it's absorbing through your skin or breathing in. So I'd say what we want to do is to minimize the use of dangerous chemicals as much as possible and then minimize exposure to the use of them as well. So it's as much as I can say on that without going into a tremendous amount of detail. So compressed air which you know, I mentioned in a recent podcast about workshop efficiency, how great uh, compressors are. But of course, compressed air itself can cause problems. And the classic for us bike mechanics is tubeless tires. So essentially, tubeless tire blows. It can be pretty dramatic in terms of the big bang it makes. But of course, if you get a face full of tubeless sealant, you know, it's absolutely no joke. So again, the old eye protection there, the, the latex gloves handling all of this stuff. But again, I saw on a Bike Mechanics Facebook group the other day, and this was footage from a bike shop, where someone had said, oh, a road tubeless tire blew off in a test ride. And it was a gator skin. You know, and I know that gator skins are not tubeless tires. And while in the mountain bike world, you know, running 20, 25 PSI, you can get away with non-tubeless tech sometimes in a tubeless setup. On the road world, never. Nee, absolutely not. So the potential issues there, either in the workshop with the tire blowing up in your face or on the test ride, or even worse, giving it back to the customer, and then the tire blows off the rim. The issues are tremendous, essentially. So you must work within the systems that are there for a reason and especially with road tubeless with the systems we have um as you know from the past i'm very uncomfortable with road hookless systems so if i have to set up a road hookless system because working in a store where the managers made the decision to do that i'm going to be setting that up 20 to 30 psi below the maximum recommended pressure, but I'll always recommend against any sort of road hookless system being used. In terms of e-bike health and safety, well, the issues are tremendous. So I've got a whole separate podcast on that. That's coming out this month. 
and that's going to be with an expert in health and safety and e-bikes. And I've done some great work with Jay Townley as well uh, from the Professional uh, Bicycle Retailers Association in the US. So essentially, we'll do a whole separate show about e-bike safety, because if a battery catches fire, it's like lots of little grenades popping off and you can't put the fire out either because the, the energy's there inside the battery. It keeps on reigniting. So essentially, e-bikes will do a whole separate show on. Now, everyone who works as a bike mechanic at some point will make mistakes. So it's, it's inevitable. No one's perfect. And the more fatigued people are, the more likely they are to make a mistake. So with the current you know, working day as it is, you can expect at some point you've got mechanics getting fatigued, potentially making mistakes. So what I always recommend to reduce the risk of this is to have checklists. So when you're doing a job, you've got a checklist and you actually physically tick it off, whether that's digital or you know, by hand. So essentially, you're not forgetting to talk the stem bolts. It's the classic one, you know, a mechanic goes out on a test ride and the, the stem, you know, goes sideways and they fall off because they thought, oh, I'll talk the stem bolts later when I've set up the headset and the bike's on the ground. And they just forget, you know, because it's the end of the day. And in fact, I saw a mechanic sacked from Condor once because they did that and they didn't test ride the bike. And it happened to the customer. The customer rode off and the stem went sideways. So essentially, it's absolutely critical that we test ride the bike so this doesn't happen with the customer. But it's also absolutely critical that we have checklists in order to avoid problems ourselves on the test ride because we don't want that happening to ourselves or our mechanics either. And one thing experience has taught me is that the test ride has really got to replicate what the customer would do with the bike. So, okay, we want to check the function, which, you know, the brakes work, the gears work, you know, all the things you do on a test ride. But like one of my old bosses said, John from Walton Street Cycles, um, you know, John said, Sean, the customer's going to do everything wrong. They're going to shift under load. They're going to cross-chain to both extremes so, so when you do your test ride you've got to do that you've got to try and shift under the highest load you've got to cross chain you've got to do all of the things wrong and make sure the bike won't just combust into a ball of flame while you do it and i think that's incredibly important and while of course at certain cross chains and certain loads things aren't going to work or things are going to rub you at least know that you've put it together well enough that nothing's going to break when that happens. And also, you know, if you've just serviced a race bike, put it in its highest gear and sprint, because there may be uh, an issue that you've just not seen because you've test-ridden at 10, 15 miles an hour, and then the rider rides 30 miles an hour, and an issue prevents itself. And that, that will often happen with a transmission issue. You know, someone's fitted a quick link, oops, you know, it's like SRAM to be quick link upside down or uh, there's a slight stiff link in the chain or a chain rings the wrong way around. All of these mistakes that mechanics can make may not prevent, present itself if you do a test ride that doesn't exactly relate to the, how the customer is going to ride the bike. 
So I'd say to make sure the customer isn't your crash test dummy, have a physical checklist, make sure you use the checklist, test ride as the customer's going to ride the bike. And then you can be as confident as you can be that the bike's going to go safely. So that's pretty much it. There's, I don't I say you don't want to get too much into the legislation because that's going to be relevant to the area that you're in. But the most important thing for me as a mechanic is that you guys as mechanics are looking out for each other. You are looking out for yourselves and that you're working as smartly as can be so you can keep on working. So thanks for joining me today, guys. Bye-bye.